Welcome to the Physiatry Podcast. This is where we talk about all aspects of physical medicine, rehabilitation, pain management, traumatic brain injury, and sports medicine, all in one. We focus on the latest unbiased data and talk to the experts in the field. This is your host, Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. Today is podcast number one. We are going to talk about nutrition and recovery from chronic pain and sports injury. I am extremely passionate about this topic because I've gone through a vast modification in my lifestyle through diet and exercise. In 2011, when my first son was born, I was obese over 200 pounds. Now I am 5 feet 9 inches, so over 200 pounds is a BMI over 30. After I reached 200 pounds, I realized that I needed to change my lifestyle. So I went on a diet and found out that I was gluten intolerant. And this wasn't something that I was celiac or, you know, I'd eat some gluten and I would just go crazy. Nothing like that. And this is not a fad. What actually happened was I was having tons of GI issues, meaning my I would have diarrhea and constipation alternatively, thinking I had IBS, and I was very worried about the diagnosis. And being a physician myself, I was able to diagnose myself with a gluten sensitivity. So I stopped eating gluten, and soon after, I felt much better. My GI distress actually resolved completely, and I suddenly felt much a more aware of my surroundings, much more awake, much more, uh, much less lethargic during the day, which was absolutely amazing. So I was trying to do some research on this and figure out why gluten would do this. During this time, I read many books, including the book The China Study by T. Colin Campbell and Thomas M. Campbell, as well as The Food Revolution by John Robbins. I also ran into the book called Wheat Belly, which is written by Dr. William Davis, a cardiologist. And I also read the book The Perfect Health Diet by Paul Jaminet and Su Ching Jaminet. And with all this, I realized that there is no one good way to change your nutrition. As long as you eat healthy and do the right thing as far as what you eat, you will be doing better than where you are now. At least that was my theory. What I learned was that there was not one method that seemed to be the best. There are a bunch of different methods and a bunch of different types of diets that are out there and one may suit you or many may suit you or a combination may suit you. And the main thing is to eat healthy and clean. When researching articles on chronic pain and nutrition, there is not one good article that shows one type of diet is better than the other. On the other hand, when There is a specific article by Brain et al. in the journal from Nutrition and Dietetics, which reviewed different diets and their primary outcomes, which were usually pain levels or activity levels. The results of these diet changes resulted in no consistency, so there was no real diet that made a huge difference. Now, one interesting thing was that intermittent fasting helped pain while they were fasting. Well, of course it did because they weren't eating anything. So once they broke their habits, their pain resumed to their normal levels because they started eating normally. And of course, they regained the weight that they had lost when they were dieting. There are many articles about sports injury and rehabilitation and what diet people should use in order to recover from their sports injury. Now, the consensus is again, that we should eat a clean and healthy diet. 
And what that means for everybody may be something different. There is no specific dietary supplement or dietary regimen that is specifically perfect for every sports person. When we look at elite athletes and what they should do before an activity which causes a lot of stress, including running a marathon, for example, or even running a, a small race, they should have high fluid balance or maintain a fluid balance and also have good glycogen stores. The glycogen helps people run and, and do high types of activities all at once. And I think one of the things to think about here is that this would actually probably prevent injury from happening because if you overstress your joints and overstress things without having the proper energy in them, the muscles will break down easier and can have more injury. Now, this is not proven, but I think that's the case for the most part. Now, in an article from the International Journal of Sports Nutrition and Exercise Metabolism, which was written by Michael Green et al., which talked about carbohydrate protein drinks. Now, this is something that you would have like the muscle milk and other things like that. Um, it didn't specifically talk about muscle milk, but uh, there are some drinks that are like that. Now, these carbohydrate uh, protein drinks did not help patients with post-injury uh, recovery from exercise-induced muscle injury. So if we think about it, again, there is nothing specific to help people out. Eating a clean, healthy diet is what is the most important thing. Now you may be asking, what the heck does he mean about a clean, healthy diet? And this really means less processed food, doesn't have to be completely non-processed food because there are some things within processed food that may be good for you. For example, yogurt may be a good thing for you because it provides probiotics and can help GI function, can help your gut out. Now, yogurt also provides some good fats, including high omega-3 fats, and this may actually prevent from inflammation from going on in the body. Now, other things that may provide high omega-3s are fruits and vegetables, fish, olive oil, nuts, and legumes. Legumes meaning like beans and things like that. Now, some athletes may actually need higher omega-6s, which is the opposite thing. An increase in protein metabolism and actually cause people to build muscle. So bodybuilders, athletes, and people like that really do need higher omega-6s. Now, listen to me. I am just talking about fat so far. So I've only talked about fat, omega-3s, and omega-6s. There are other types of fats, including trans fats, which you should avoid completely. There's also saturated fat, which has been given a bad name for a long time. The American Heart Association has different guidelines, including the amount of saturated fat, saturated fat versus unsaturated fat that you should be having. Now, the omega-6s and omega-3s are the unsaturated fats that I was talking about. They say that you should have approximately... 2 to 5% of your fats from unsaturated fats, or sorry, 2 to 5% of your overall calories from unsaturated fat, and only 6% of your overall calories from saturated fat. In 2016, they also released guidelines about how much sugar you should be having per day, and this is approximately 40 to 150 calories per day, depending on how many calories you consume during the whole day. They also talk about how much sodium you should be having. Now, all this information is available on the American Heart Association website and is, to me, somewhat biased because some of the information is supported by companies that are benefited by these guidelines. Now, I do agree with some of the guidelines, but I don't agree with everything that they're talking about. 
For example, someone like me, who runs a marathon every once in a while, will burn approximately 2,000 calories during the process of a marathon, or even more, maybe 2,600. And during that process, I also lose about 2 grams of salt. When I lose 2 grams of salt, I lose about 2 grams of sodium, which means that I need 2 grams of sodium to replace that. Now, if I only have 2,300 milligrams of sodium a day, that will not actually replace enough sodium in my body to be well. I would need at least 4,300 milligrams of sodium in my body to replace the amount that they're talking about here that you lose in a normal day without exercising so much. So even the American Heart Association guidelines are just guidelines. They don't have to be followed exactly, but they should be followed in some direction or give you some direction as far as how your diet should be. So now I'm going to get back into carbohydrates. And Carbohydrates are a vital part of our diet, despite the recent bad naming because of the keto diet, the paleo diet, the Atkins diet, where all these people have lost a bunch of weight. Now, great, you've lost a bunch of weight, but you need some carbohydrates in your diet in order to be sustainable. So the keto diet is an interesting diet where you have to keep your carbohydrate intake under a certain amount. Now, they talk about 40 grams of carbohydrates a day. If you think about how much is 40 grams of carbohydrates, the amount of carbs in a can of soda is 39 grams. Now this is as much as you need to have in a full day of having a keto diet. All right, let's talk about something that we think is healthy. Now something like a banana, which has tons of great things. So potassium, great potassium amount and very low fat very low sodium, lots of vitamin C, lots of vitamin B6, and lots of magnesium. These are all vital in things for all of us to have. It has 27 grams of carbs. Now, 3 grams are dietary fiber, which is a good thing, but still the overall amount of carbs is extremely high. So yes, a ketotic diet is not a bad thing, and I think it may help people. But this is, again, for certain people, not for everybody. For me personally, I could not sustain a ketotic diet because I run pretty much four times a week. And I run 6 to 12 miles every time, maybe even more than that. And when I run like that, it is very difficult to keep a ketotic diet because I feel so hungry when I get home. I am not saying that people don't do this, but it would be very hard for me to do this. I think the main thing that comes from the American Heart Association guidelines as well as general reading is that we should re limit the amount of refined sugar, processed foods, alcohol, cakes, foods, breads, pretzels, things that are just that we really like to eat. Those things we need to limit because guess what? They're not good for us. Now, the third and last and most important thing I want to talk about is protein. Now, protein is a very important thing for all of us to have. We all have to have protein in order to build our muscles, in order to sustain our heart. Now, when people die of starvation, now, this happens hopefully not here in the U.S., but I think it's more common than we may think. But when they die of starvation, what happens is that the protein is sucked up from our heart and other areas of our body, and this causes our heart to have essentially a heart attack and stop working. So protein is an essential and vital thing that we need to have every day. Now, most Americans have enough carbs and have enough fat. In fact, they have too much of both of those, but they don't have enough protein in their diet. And this is a problem that goes throughout the country. Sources of protein can include meat, 
and some plant-based foods, including seeds and legumes, and low-fat dairy, including Greek yogurt. Now, protein is important and also a good thing for your body. And recently, people have been talking about very high-protein diets. The high-protein diets may also not be best for everybody because protein is actually turned into carbohydrate when it's not being used. So we have to be careful about how much protein we also intake. Every ounce of protein that we don't metabolize becomes carbohydrate, which then is eventually turned into fat. So we have to think about how much we're eating overall. And as long as we limit the amount of food that we eat, it's actually going to be beneficial for all of us. The reason why I'm talking about weight and this is a podcast about chronic pain and sports injury. But the reason why I'm talking about weight is because, guess what? If you're heavy, you have a higher chance of having chronic pain. Now, yes, this is actually a statistic. More patients with that are overweight do have chronic pain. Now, when we talk about how many percent of people are overweight in the United States, when we look at the statistics... 37% of all adults are overweight and considered obese, and 7.7% are considered extremely obese. This is amazing. And when we look at the estimated percentage of U.S. youth with obesity, we're talking about 17% that are obese and 6% that are extremely obese. And this number is getting bigger every year. So we are all getting higher and higher in weight and our overall BMIs are going up and overall injuries are going up and overall pain is going up. This is all a trend that is positive. Guess what's happening then is our rates of death and life expectancy is going down partially because of obesity. Now, there are other things that are affecting this, suicides and mental health and other things, but obesity is a big reason why our overall life expectancy in America is going down. Okay, now, Americans, yeah, we're all fat, right? 37% of us are fat. But how about Europe? Let's just look at Europe. When we look at Europe, which is comparable, you know, income levels and things like that, and European people are generally about 10% less fat, or even more than that. Some areas, 20% less fat than us. Now, Switzerland is about 19.5% are obese. I'm not even talking about extremely obese, but 19.5%. And Denmark is about 19.7%. Italy's 19.9%. And the weirdest thing, Bosnia is 17.9%. Moldova is 18.9%. When you compare this with all our states... Now, when I look at our states, now the low, uh, south and the uh, Midwest have the fattest people in the United States. Now, if you look at that and compare it to, say, a middle-of-the-ground country um, in Europe, let's take, for example, a country you would think would be more into their food, like Germany. Okay, they, they eat a lot of... Uh, brats and beer, right? Um, their obesity rates 22.3%. When you compare that with the United States, it is actually tied with Colorado, which is 22.3% obese and is the lowest in the United States as far as obesity amongst all the states, the highest being West Virginia at 37.7%. Now, these were data from 2008. These have significantly changed and Right now, our statistics are much higher than Europe. 
Again, Europe is still nothing compared to the United States as far as obesity and obesity trends in Europe. Although people are getting fatter in Europe, they are not getting nearly as fat as us here in the United States. I don't have the answer to how we're going to lose weight or how we're going to do things. But all in all, we do need to eat less and eat less bad stuff. So I'm not saying to go out to your health food store and go get a bunch of vegetables and go eat them right now and eat them all raw or something like that. No, just eat a good diet and eat healthy. Now, if you have a snack every once in a while that is not healthy, that's fine. But eat healthy and it'll be good for you and it'll be good for the rest of the country. So that is my rant today. So thank you for listening to the Physiatry Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about physical medicine, rehabilitation, pain management, traumatic brain injury, and sports medicine all in one. Our next podcast is going to be about running and avoiding injuries while running. This is a big topic for me because I am a runner myself. As I mentioned, I've run a couple marathons and I'm going to continue running. If you have any questions, please send me an email at info at painlessnx.com. Again, info at painlessnx.com. I hope that you've enjoyed our podcast today. I hope you send me an email or a comment or two, and, and I hope to see you next time. Again, this is Dr. Avinash Ramchandani signing off. Have a good one.